0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew, coming fresh off of a six-man playoff finale last week. How bizarre to see six dudes walking down the fairway to their balls. Like, that was I have all of my time to- watching golf.
1: Total, total club championship vibes with that. Just oh,
0: big time. Yeah, yeah. Massive. Yeah.
1: massive playoff, you know. It's hard to get overly excited about that cuz it just shows you the type of event I guess that you're working with cuz you obviously ne- never get that at the, the events that play a bit more tougher. But um yeah, I mean, regardless of how easy I guess the golf event is or the course, it was definitely not easy for DFS players. That was some of the most carnage we've seen from a 6 to 6 perspective anything basically four or six or better was was basically like blocking in cash as long as you had a, a sniff at the top of the end of the leaderboard
0: yeah and i guess i i was like you know tracking my single entry team and stuff but i don't even have a sense of like i guess a couple high-owned guys must have just total like a, not even a couple i guess like a bunch of high-owned guys must have it well it
1: was it was definitely weird because it was like the i mean webb and henley were some of the most popular players up top so like those guys definitely came through obviously the Oosti WD, the Reed WD, it funneled ownership there. And, and those guys came through. But then beyond that, um, it's like all the value chalk was ejecting. So definitely, we you know, we kind of talk about it every time we come to one of those events where like the winning score could be 20 under. It definitely becomes more random because you really have to be putting well for four days. But uh, yeah, it came to fruition last week in a way that we haven't seen it in a long time.
0: Yep. Uh this week is the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So if you love lots of uh narratives, if you love lots of uh special interest stories on the broadcast, you're going to get lots of them. This event is normal PGA Tour rules. So end of Friday, uh, T65 and uh you know top 65 and ties gets through. That is, you know, everything as normal. I suppose that uh, that's, you know, when we get to next week, we can talk about changes in the format and everything from there, because that'll give us a week to learn the rules and, and figure out exactly who is getting through. I know that like there's like bonus points given to the winner of this, uh, this event and the next event are th- these are the ones that Bryson won back to back when we, we first became aware of Bryson. So uh, I guess he's got that going for him when he doesn't seem to have all that much else going for him. Obviously a super strong field this week at the Northern Trust Open. Uh, How are we viewing this golf course relative to the average PGA Tour golf course?
1: Yeah, it's at Liberty National Golf Club. They last played the Northern Trust here in 2019. Uh, Patrick Reed won that year. Um, but in general, this has been a course that is rewarded driving distance to a slightly greater degree than driving accuracy and even more than a typical PGA Tour course. Uh, it's also been a course that's rewarded approach play and putting. So uh, I think what we've seen just in general is you're going to get the cream kind of rising to the top winning score, probably around 15 under par. Um, so not uh, not an easy course, but not we're not talking like a US Open setup either. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's going to favor some of the longer players, especially when you get into like the value range a little bit.
0: Yeah. All right. So at the top, we have John Rom. We have DJ with maybe the worst projection I've ever seen him at. He's sitting at 11,000. Jordan Spieth, 10.8. Xander at 10.6. Uh, we have Colin Morikawa at 10.4, Brooks 10.2, and Rory McElroy rounds out the 10,000. I will just say from like a slate texture perspective, the top of the board featuring so many negative values is fascinating from how do you build? Because like, let's say, you know, data golf, not a big fan of Dustin Johnson this week but he still is holding 3% win equity, you know, data golf, not a big fan of Brooks Kepka, still holding 2% win equity, not, not a big fan of even someone like Abraham answer, but still holding real win equity. So that, uh, you know, that, that is very interesting from a roster construction perspective.
1: Definitely. And I, I think the way that they kind of see things right now in the golfing world is it's John Rahm and then it's everybody else. And, um, even just putting aside their projections and probabilities right now, if you look over the past three months, you know, Rom has on average gained 3.2 strokes on the field. It's nearly 0.8 strokes better than the next closest person, which is Jordan Spieth. And the difference between that is about the same as Jordan Spieth and like the 20th golfer in the world. So he's really put quite the distance between himself and the other players. And then the this, this same thing on T to green is like, he's nearly 0.4 strokes better than the next closest T to green. And again, it's a pretty big gap between, you know, number two and number 10. It's kind of this. So Rom has definitely distanced himself for the past three months. And I think that is kind of what you're seeing reflected in the value rankings a little bit as well.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, I guess that makes sense. Uh, we don't even have John Rom with like that massive of an ownership projection. Certainly nothing like uh, Webb, he named his daughter Wyndham Simpson from from last week. So I mean, at, at at 17, 18, 19% projected ownership, I cannot come up with any good game theory reason to not be overweight John Rom, to not play John Rahm in single entry or three max. I, you know, your, I guess your reason would be very much unlike last week there is not going to be value, you know, guys at 7,200 that you feel really good about because as the field gets stronger, obviously that means it's harder for guys who are not as good to make the cut or to make a run game. I guess game theory stuff would be playing Xander, playing Morikawa, playing Brooks for, for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the case. Um, they do have Smith and Morikawa kind of the next closest in the field and, Uh, Both of those guys are, um, well, like Morikawa typically targeting inaccurate courses, and I don't want to overrate the distance this week. It definitely matters more than a typical event, but it's not like Beth Page Black, where it's going to completely block out a good chunk of the field. Like we said, Reed did win the last time here, so um, I think those are kind of the next guys that you'd be looking at. Uh, I'd probably play Spieth over Morikawa just between those two, Um, but Uh, it's just you're not getting a huge price discount
0: yeah i mean talk me out of saying that bryson at 9600 is the best value like how could bryson you know he's, he's his recent and well i mean we talk about recent form and stuff a lot with bryson because it's like sure he'll play awful for two events but it's like that's kind of baked into how he chooses to play the game so i feel like it's it's harder to like for me with Bryson, I feel like it's harder to really get a sense of recent form. Cause he can just show up and, you know, be the best T to green player on tour kind of out of nowhere, but I would certainly rather play Bryson than JT who is just making a bunch of pars. I would rather play him than Morikawa Xander at his projected ownership. I know he's receiving an awful projection from DG, but like, I would still like to play him, but you know, Bryson Xander and Rom, you combination of projected ownership and what i expect their high-end finishes to be feel like the best expensive plays
1: yeah i mean bryson we kind of have talked about it as like the quintessential gpp play like he definitely is the type of guy that can finish 40th on a lot of courses but he can outright win and it does seem like a course that's better tailored for bryson and maybe some of his bad performances too are just like he's not one-dimensional but he's so long off the tee if he can't take advantage of that on certain courses that eliminates a huge strength of his and then He's can get so hot with the putter. He's one of the best putters on tour and that's also a volatile week to week thing. So he does set up as a lot of volatility. And I think if you're getting a a price discount, a little bit of an ownership discount, it does seem like uh, the type of course. I think Brian buying Bryson would make sense on, I actually don't know if data golf incorporates the Olympic stuff into their projections at all. So, I mean, you could make an argument, maybe that Xander his baseline. is a little bit, under where it should be you could also potentially write off a little bit at the WGC performance last week as hangover from the Olympic literally and and physically and just the tight turnaround time so um yeah I agree I'm a little higher on Xander than the projection as well and if the field is not going to be there which they typically have been on Xander then I think that's a good opportunity
0: yeah so I mean do you have any more thoughts on the high end of guys before we dig into the mid 9,000s
1: no, I don't think so. I think we covered the the main talk, talking points there.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, this next range of guys, Hovland, nine, five answer, nine, four uh, Scotty Scheffler, nine, three Patrick Cantlay, nine, two huge ownership on Daniel Berger projected at ninety one hundred. not very much ownership projected for Hideki Matsuyama at 9,000. I mean, I guess I would just say intuitively harder golf course, longer golf course i would be um i would be interested in pretty interested in cantley
1: yeah i I would also say i'm pretty interested in hideki um I, i didn't feel like i mean the miscut last week i'm i'm fine writing it off i didn't it seemed like a weird event for him to play i don't think we were surprised by reed and louis pulling the plug i'm not sure why hideki was playing necessarily but uh before that, like second at the WGC FedEx, St. Jude, the Olympics, he was top five uh, major champion, obviously. And he's going to be the lowest owned in this group. So I think it's a pretty big bunch between like, basically like Paul Casey all the way up through Hovland. I think they're all pretty close and I'm fine playing a little bit of the ownership game between these guys.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that, uh, I think that makes some sense. I mean, 20% own Daniel Berger at this slate, probably not gonna, probably not going to do it for me. Um, and then this next range, I, I feel like this has become increasingly common, but all of the best value plays that get overowned, but like, you know, you kind of have to just play, you kind of have to hold your nose and play guys at 15% ownership who you never would have played at 15% ownership uh when all things else were equal, you know, two, three years ago in DFS. But then the next range of guys we have Webb, English, Casey cam smith adam scott who like randomly was playing well last week for the first time in forever uh you know tony finau finau is finau at 8200 looks pretty underpriced to me actually
1: yeah so that was the first guy that jumped out to me um he just i mean he hasn't been playing well over the past three months but just on like pedigree and thinking about the golf course slightly tougher course longer course that definitely scream out, but I mean, he's actually 33rd in this field tee to green over the past three months, which is usually his bread and butter. It's definitely not putters, So that was a guy I wanted to kind of double click on, especially because when I saw him at 8,200, I also expected to see 15 or 20% ownership and that wasn't really there with him. Um As far as like guys like Adam Scott, like I'm inclined to, Disregard last week, or at least diminish the amount of importance we're putting in the results just because the field was so weak. um Paul Casey, I think, was interesting. He's probably the best TD Green player over, over the last stretch, third in this field over the last three months. So I think Paul Casey is somewhat interesting. It's just the price you're getting for Paul Casey, you kind of want to win equities. So um, In this range in general, I think is one that is interesting, but if you are going to spend up on a ROM, I don't know if you necessarily want the second guy to come out of this range.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I guess probably you don't like you would rather, you would rather fill in more guys from a little bit lower, which I is also interesting because there are going to be some guys who rate as really bad DG plays who are going to get some ownership. So like Kevin Kisner, for example, coming off of a uh, you know coming off of a really good performance. Uh, Ian Ian Poulter. What about uh, what what are you doing with this insane relative, insanely relative projection on Terrell Hatton? Fifteen percent ownership, also the highest, the highest value guy buy data golf stuff right now like that that feels like a spot where i can just say i think he rates is a really good play for mme like even even at that ownership i think like the combination of long-term form data golf projection still feels like you can play him at 15 percent
1: yeah it's interesting i mean it's his form's not elite like miscut at the u.s open top 20 at the scottish miscut at the open championship top 20 at the wgc Um, I get it. I think projection is driving the ownership. there. probably a better play than Jason Kokrak who's basically the same price, same ownership. Uh, but I have to think that if you're going with the Englishman, Matt Fitzpatrick at 5%, it has to be a better play than Haddon at 15%.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I think you are, I think you are almost for sure correct about that. Um, some of the other guys down in this range, Kokrak, I mean, so like I think probably you don't want to play like Kokrak and Terrell Hatton together, like mid-range chalk where like, you know, what their low end finishes are really bad. Like those guys, you would, you would certainly not be surprised if Jason Kokrak missed the cut at a FedEx playoff event. Right. Um, But then there are other guys here who have similarly good projections who are coming in really low owned. In particular, we have Sergio Garcia projected very strongly and we have Kevin Streelman projected really strongly. Both of those guys look pretty good to me
1: i think this is the first time that you've had a kevin streelman on this podcast
0: well i i like because as i am less and this happens with all sports when you are less micro ingrained like one i am playing single entry in three max now and this happens with baseball too like i'm not i'm not watching these games every single day so i'm more just like i have less like strong player takes like Oh, Kevin Streelman is not long enough at this golf course, but like yeah. data golf is doing much more strenuous work than I am. So I'm more inclined if I'm not as tuned in to like, Oh, I am watching Kevin Streelman and he doesn't look like the type of guy who can do well at this golf course, but like the data says he's good and he's low owned. And so like, whatever, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I think Sergio Garcia, Keegan Bradley to the guys that jumped out top 10 to green, obviously, egregious putters, both of them. Um, but I think you're getting in the price range where you can mix those guys in at like, I guess Sergio will be like five to 10%, but Keegan should be around 5% ownership. Uh, both of those guys have like on average around 20, 22% top 20 odds. So I think in that range, it's okay. Uh, kind of feel like you're getting similar golfers a little bit cheaper. Uh, So I guess like Johnny Vegas at 7,100 was one of the other guys that jumped out from a value perspective or the Gary Woodland and Charlie Hoffman, both at seven K.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that makes um, a fair amount of sense. What about, uh, what about Cameron Tringali? Another, another noted data golf favorite.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't really have any commentary for Tringali beyond on the projections right like he's a guy that always seems a little higher than i'd expect but um I, I think he's done pretty well i don't have a personal opinion on him
0: so i guess the the interesting element about this event and i it would be like this if they played wgc's as cut events but because of the qualifiers that you have to have had a good enough season to qualify for this event there are actually lots of very high skill golfers who are very cheap, which is sort of interesting. Um, and some of those guys, like I'm sitting here looking at the projections, you know, Ortiz would be one of them. Um, you know, I think Maverick McNeely would be one of them. Taylor Gooch, Brendan Todd, Lucas Glover. And because of the, the strength of the field and the way that, uh, you know, the way the salaries are breaking out, like they're, they actually are not plus value projections. Like you look at Lucas Glover and the projections and he's a negative value. You look at Adam Hadwin and he's a a negative value in the projections, but I wonder if it's kind of like those guys are victims of field strength, but they are like, those guys are still good golfers with good high end finishes in them.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably fair. I think Cam champ is one of the other guys. that's kind of in the, value tier um probably be in that same conversation as far as like the fourth maybe the fifth golfer on your roster depending on your build um he'll be less than five percent owned it is a course that if it favors longer players i think is a little bit interesting as well too
0: yeah um do you have anyone else down here that that's i i guess no poor poor aaron wise he started off his career data golf loved him so much he's he's really faded uh matt wallace to me Matt Wallace and Luke List; those those would be the two cheapest. How funny is it that like all these great golfers this year have missed the FedEx Cup playoffs? And Luke List, thirty seven year old, I think Luke List missing or making the playoffs is so funny to me.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that makes sense. I mean, I think you could consider if you're going to anchor on Rom, going with Wallace as the cheapest guy, and um, hoping to to capture some. And more win equity or top 10 equity from some of your other players and just yeah. getting a cut out of walls yeah
0: makes sense to me uh all right let's take a look at the betting markets of course data golf has rom as such an overwhelming favorite that there's not a ton there however the FanDuel sportsbook is hanging a 29 to 1 on bryson data golf has him as like 25 to 1 I, I think that is a bet I would feel comfortable making. And then also anywhere you can get a 33 or 35 to one on Cantlay, both both of those numbers actually, I, I think seem fairly bettable.
1: 20, 29 and Bryson. I, I feel like we played this game a couple of times this season where it's like Bryson, it's a course that favors distance, doesn't penalize lack of accuracy and that golf's got a plus EV number on him. I, I feel like you're, you're running to make that bet right now
0: yeah i i do i feel i feel like that one is uh i feel like that one is pretty strong did anyone leap they're, out to like, you as
1: a good one their guy like like paul casey they have as a value but i just can't pull the trigger there it just seems like if you were to look in the top 10 markets for paul casey maybe you'd find something there but i just feel like the win equity with him is not quite there um i, I think like they have rom is bettable at 10 to 1 so i thought you get the favorite kind of dominant player in good form coming in with good rest. Everyone's incentivized to play really well because there's so much money on the line for the FedEx cup playoffs. So um, I think Ron there is a pretty good bet as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. And then I guess for one and done, if you're still paying attention to your one and done at this point of the season, uh, I would hope that you have strategically adjusted to have something left here. I mean, if I was, if, if I was paying attention, I would hope to be able to use I you know what probably some people still have left speed in the holster because he has been uh not like a huge favorite in any of these events and you you know like so I think he's probably left some people have probably left Paul Casey some people have probably left Rory um you know if you want to adjust for distance Rory could be playable here I suppose
1: yeah I think if you're, if you're ahead, you're just playing the best golfer you have left in the clip for the next, you know, three tournaments. And if you're behind, I think one way you can make up ground is playing a previous winner. Cause a lot of the field has already banked those guys with like a million bucks. And so that's one of the easiest way to gain in the leaders is to get somebody who's already won an event this year to win their second event. And you can kind of clip the advantage they have over you. So, and then the, the rest of it is kind of just a hail Mary. If you're trying to sneak on the mint cash line, so you can pick whoever you want outside of the top 15 guys there.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, that should uh I think do it for us here today at the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. Uh everyone definitely make sure to check out dailyrodo.com for the golf optimizer. All the projections, Colin will have updated projections uh for ownership on Wednesday afternoon. The pro tip will be up on the site and we will be back next week.